You're about to enter a world of pain, suffering, and laughter. Another episode of Worst Gig. <laughs> Worst gig. All right, welcome to another episode of Worst Gig Effort. <laughs> Worst Gig Efforts. Worst Gig Effort. Might have to keep this for, for the archives. <laughs> Clear it out. Right. Hey guys. <laughs> Welcome Perfect. to Worst Gig Ever. I am uh, Mike Pace, formerly of Oxford Collapse. I'm here with... Jeff Garlock, formerly of Panthers and Orchid, and now in year is one. And also in... Uh, also the, uh, a uh, sketch uh, performer, writer, and teacher at the Upright Citizens Brigade Theater, man about comedy town. We are uh, guys who have done some time in music and some time in comedy. Oh, yeah. Big time. A and uh, comedy of errors, so to speak, uh, <laughs> with way. Worst Gig Ever, basically... Basically, you come here to hear horror stories from the road, uh, people uh, in bands, comics, performers, people talking about uh, all the crud they've had to shovel to uh, do what they want to do. Crud being the nice word. I'd say... I'd you say, want to say shit. I would say crud is a cult, actually. Uh, it's <laughs> a bad that existed for hardcore fans. Uh, yeah, uh, definitely. That's what this is about. It's about the negatives... And focusing solely on those. Because it's a lot more interesting to hear about someone sleeping on diarrhea-encrusted carpet <laughs> than it is sleeping in some four-star hotel and playing shows to 50,000 fans. But I'll tell you about my, my background later. Um, <laughs> <laughs> today's episode, we are interviewing... Sam Axelrod, uh, formerly of the band The Narrator, who were a, uh, uh, a band that my band Oxford Collapse toured with a lot. Uh, they are great. They cease to exist now, but, uh, if you have a, a computer, which you probably do, you might want to find their, uh, <laughs> old <hope>. records. <laughs> Such triumph and all that to the wall. Sam is now currently playing in a band called The Future of What, uh, which definitely has something to do with the Unwound album of the same title. Uh, and before we get into our interview with Sam, I just want to relay a story, uh, a horror story from uh, my touring days. Lay it uh, on us, Pace. Oxford Collapse. We're playing a show in Fargo, North Dakota. Great town. A uh, lot of fun. Um, it actually is. I, I, I always liked playing North Dakota. But uh, yeah, I'll let you have that fun. <laughs> I didn't necessarily enjoy sleeping in North Dakota. Uh, we played the show and we were put up in a party house afterwards, yes. a kind of a punk slash party house, which if anybody knows is usually not going to be uh, the most sanitary conditions, which is why it's always good to bring a sleeping bag with you on tour. Anyway, after uh, the show, we went back to the house. There was a raging full-on party going on in the basement. Oh, is uh, Dancing around to a boombox, uh, having a great time. The upstairs of this house, and I, I've, stayed in, I've stayed in some shitholes, Jeff. Uh, <laughs> but you. let me tell you, there was, I would say, at least six inches mm. of mm -hmm. debris Ugh. of various types, garbage, Yep. food, uh, whatever you might find 
whatever's able to be thrown and land on the floor was on the floor. You could not see the floor in this house. Punks I mean, this hate was, garbage cans. Yeah, this was... The, this was a very anti-garbage can house, um, and I remember that we, we, our bass player, Adam, tried to sleep in our rented minivan. I don't even think he could fit in there, uh, and he's a small man. Uh, thanks, Ford Town and Country. Uh, and so we wound up sleeping. I remember sleeping in my sleeping bag on this mattress when it was overturned. There were definitely insects on the other side of it. Did not want to touch any of my skin or flesh to any surface in this house. It's a sleeping bag cocoon. It was revolting. Yeah, the sleeping bag is definitely something to keep on tap whenever you're, you're on the road for all you want to be road dogs out there. We're sponsored by sleeping bags. We're sponsored by Coleman sleeping bags. Not to be confused with Coleman. The hardcore oh. bands that beat themselves up when they played. That's that they did. So without any further ado, guys, uh, hope you enjoy this episode of Worst Gig Ever featuring Sam Axelrod of The Narrator and uh, the future of what? Enjoy. Thank you, Worst Gig Ever. <laughs> Here with a, a good friend, Sam Axelrod. Welcome to the show, Sam. Thank Sam, you. Sam, of, uh, of uh, the narrator fame, um, my band, Oxford Collapse, has played a ton of shows with the narrator over the years. Star, our friendship can be traced back to, and I don't know if, if people still do this, with like, I bought your EP uh, at uh, Academy Records on 18th Street between 5th and 6th. That's for, a plug. For a dollar. <laughs> right. Uh, well, my father expecting. owns that store. That's a good deal. <laughs> um, this by Academy Pace. That's right. Um, uh, I bought the CD for a dollar. Loved it. Did I email or did I MySpace you guys? I think you emailed. I emailed, emailed you me, yeah. and just like, hey, this is great. Let's play some shows together. Originally thought you guys were a three piece, and that whoever sang, which would have been you, looked like Michael Stipe and was bald. Why did you think I that? I don't know. It was, that was just what... Just was, from the music? That was just, yeah. Like, <laughs> when you get this idea in your head of what Look, the band you played like, bald rock. Whatever. Yeah, just well, deal was, with it. There was no pictures yeah. of the band. Very mysterious. Anyway, and then we got together <laughs> and got Chinese food and... Mexican and built Chinese a tour. Food. Yeah. Right? The Mexican Chinese place. Uh, yeah. Uh, in Midtown. And then it was 2005. And uh, the future was, uh, was looking bright. And oh, that was a pretty good uh, two... Was it two weeks? A lot of memories. We wound up doing Seattle to Denton, Texas, yes. together. Um, and I think the worst show of that run was clearly The Smell. I was thinking Los about that Angeles. today. Right, did you ever yeah. play The Smell? Uh, I don't know if we ever actually did, surprisingly. The Smell, is, you know, now is this preeminent uh, <laughs> indie punk club in <laughs> yep. uh, downtown Los Angeles. I remember the show that we played. And it's a cavernous room. It's very big. Um, and no one was there. I broke a string, which was a rare thing for me. Broke, and then when you guys played, Jesse, who was your other singer and guitar player, kept getting shot. No, I we both or, did. we both did. You guys kept getting he and shot I both did. to the point where you draped the mic in Steven Tyler esque De- of scarves and Featherston's yes. bandanas. Bandanas, I, yeah. So we should point out that I brought my. Extensive tour journals. Sam has kept a record and of... The, yeah, Sam has done endless. what most of us should have done. I record. Just, I just found the opening line of this of this show, and it says, Oh God, torture. 
That's my opening line from that. I think that sums up worst gig ever. Yeah. Uh, completely. That's, uh, that's pretty incredible. And it ends with me talking about that it's my cat's birthday, except that he's dead. So it was a dark, dark <laughs> night. But if you remember, that was also, that was one of those nights. It was a terrible show, really fun night. We went back to like, uh, um, uh, that guy we went who to like was a vice related party where these girls yeah, were dan- no. jumping on a trampoline. But before that, that about right. what's uh, there was we we hung out with Brian Glaze, Hollywood producer Brian Glazer's Grazer. assistant Grazer. Brian, excuse me. Um, no, uh, no uh, offense. Apologies to the the Glazer. Why do fan. I not remember the Grazer, the Grazer Foundation? The Grazer Foundation for the Arts. Are you you're you're playing now still? I just started playing in a new band. Okay. We're called Future of What. We're in Brooklyn. We should point out the narrator was a Chicago-based right. band. But you're you're. A but I'm from the city. I'm from Manhattan, yeah. and now I live in Brooklyn. And I kind of took a few years off. Uh, I played in my friend's band, The End of the World, mm-hmm. in like 2008 for roughly a year, who we would tour with also. And I I know there's one good worst gig ever there with that band. with, with, with the End, End of the, the World, world. yeah. Um, which Play I guess I'm yeah, just telling you. Yes, this go is, for it. It was uh, CMJ 2008. And we did, we were running around, it's probably, I don't think I ever played more shows in a day, we did three shows on the Saturday of CMJ, we did a party at Glasslands in the daytime, and a party at Pianos upstairs in the daytime, and then we played our showcase at Lit that night. It should be, uh, for, for the listener, CMJ, when you're playing, when you're a band and you're playing CMJ, when it happens, like, for the, what is it, a week or whatever, in Four the city, like, you're running around from, uh... CMJ sucks. Yeah, that's CMJ for the is, listener. CM, for the listener, if you don't know CMJ, it's a terrible festival. Oxford Collapse banned from CMJ. Well, why'd you do? Uh, that's a whole, uh, a whole uh, other bag. But CMJ, bag. yeah, it's just, you know, New York's kind of a butthole to get around stuff anyways, but trying to deal with, like, piles of new bands, yeah. all trying to play too many shows, it's the opposite of South by, South by Southwest, which is fun, I think. Yeah. When I was a kid, it was cool. Like, growing up in the city... It was pretty exciting. Oh, to I go see to shows. go to the shows. To see yeah. shows is great. Because bands will be there that are just there for the one-offs. Yeah. And you'll see, like, yeah. fucking, you know, bands you never got to see. Uh, to be, for my personal experience, to be in the CMJ yeah. experience. It's not so much fun. You're almost bummed to get more shows. Uh, and just be like, oh, cool, I gotta go to pianos. Uh, yeah, I mean, how did those shows, how did your so, three yeah, shows the, the, turn the, out? So, the world, yeah, the... the the one to which I refer was at pianos in the daytime, and I think because we were running around, we didn't bring all our gear, and but also we were, I think we were told that there was a backline, meaning amps and drums, sure. yeah. but for some reason there wasn't, there was just, there were some holes, and so pianos, which is a, not the greatest place to hang out, um, there was just a lot going on, there was like six band bill downstairs, six band bill upstairs, and Stefan, who was the drummer and singer of End of the Worlds, his friends, this band Chief, who went on to be on Domino Records, and uh, well, that's another story, but they were playing downstairs like 40, 30 minutes after we, no, probably like, tw- I don't know, it was inter- over, you know, uh, mm-hmm. overlapping. Yeah. So Stefan borrowed some equipment from him, where he's like, and the drummer from Chief was like, well, I need to get, you know, stuff, everything back by the time we play. And our sets got pushed back, and we start about to start playing. And the guy from Chief comes up and he's like, I need my snare stand. And we're like in the first song of the set, maybe the second song. And Stefan's like, uh, okay, well, we'll just keep, he's like, you know, he's hitting his watch, his, his wrist. 
and we like play another song. He's like, I really need it. And he just walks onto the like stage, which wasn't even a stage, which is like, and just Stefan picks up the snare and he just takes the snare stand uh-huh. and leaves. And we're like, uh, and we're just, a, I guess we we're playing as a four piece then. And, uh, we got through it. I mean, Stefan was so he's he a good. So the snare stand. Yeah. What so you can't you really do? put a snare on like no, a yeah. table. You because can't you do that. Because you need the snare right. to work. So he just played without a snare. I don't know. So now we got through it. It was. It's like a present United States of America situation. Yeah. It's like a real stripped down weird. But, but there's so. something that felt like a little nightmarish about it. You sure. Know, just being like. I mean, I, I, yeah, I mean, for me, like, this, I mean, the snare kind of pulls together. Is yeah. the drum of the drums? Yes. Yeah. It's, uh, kind of, it's my favorite it, drum, I, I Yeah. I mean, I just can't fathom really what it would, I feel like my headspace would have exploded, like, trying to figure out how to play the songs yeah. around. Just he was good. He was a good improviser, though, I think. He, stage, and he was also though. the lead singer, too. So that's, yeah. like, a lot to sure. think about. Coming on stage yeah. and removing... He just walked directly onto the stage, which reminds me of a, a good moment in Jacksonville, Florida, Ugh. August 2005, biggest city in America, land-wise, sure. which I learned later that night when we searched for like 70 minutes for a Taco Bell, <laughs> driving around. <laughs> a lot of land to cover for that <laughs> well, Taco no, Bell. Well, no, there's a lot of authentic Mexican in Jacksonville. I can understand why you... August. <laughs> also, August in Jacksonville, just like pretty brutal. Yeah. And... um. We're playing with Bob Nana of Braid of and uh, and Jeff Hansen, who tragically died soon after. And my, the only memory of that show was like a six-band bill. We were like third of four. And I just remember we're in the middle. You know, we play like pretty loud music. And uh, just like between songs, one of the guys in the first bands just walked on stage. He's like, excuse me a second. He just like walks on stage, unplugs his phone charger, and then walks out of the building. <laughs> like while, you know. While we're playing. Which is also, we were talking about this recently, that like now when you're in a band, I mean like you go to a club, it's like any available outlet. Yeah. It's like, but this is 2005, yeah, so it's kind of rare to have the, uh, Wait, and it was plugged in on the stage? Yeah, it was plugged in on those the stage. Those are those fun moments that were by. When it like, buzzes oh, cool. too, like it probably. Yeah. Oh yeah, because if, yeah, if you don't know also, <laughs> cell phones like to really mess up, uh, Yes, yes. Yeah. terribly. Not to call out anyone, but he was either in the band DeLorean, which I don't think is the same. There's like several bands called uh-huh. DeLorean. I would imagine. Speaking Cursive, not to be related, Cursive. not to be confused with Cursive, or this is my favorite band name, Hors d'Oeuvres. Hors d'Oeuvres. So he was in one of those. It's hideously bands. terrible, and, and I this? love it. This in was at the Imperial in Jacksonville on August 21st, 2005. Here's one of the guys from. Oh, it's Hors d'Oeuvres. One of the guys. Right. <laughs> One of the guys from H. Doe even came onto the stage during our... That uh, was our last song, so I don't know if that makes it wor- better or worse, to pick up his fucking cell phone charger so he could leave the building. Well, yeah, I mean, it's kind of a bummer to ruin the finale of your show by just like, excuse me, yeah. bro, I got some texts coming through, man. I guess Hors d'oeuvres had some apps. Hors d'oeuvres had some hey, apps. Yeah. Oh, the Ayatollah of Rock and Roller coming at you. Um, so, apps. Uh, Oh, well, this, this is also interesting. What I uh, what I thought was interesting, especially with you guys, is that you're one of the few bands that I know that decided to go to Japan, like on your own, put it together, uh, and you guys you guys did a Japanese tour, probably unlike the way that a lot of other bands yeah. Were. I mean, it wasn't it was sort of on our own, but it sort of was. I mean, there's this guy who put out a record there and he mm-hmm. booked the tour, so it was definitely like a lower you know, uh, level of, of tour. I mean, that was our, our only tour we did outside of North America. Um, 
it was strange because it was our last tour also. So we were like not getting along that well, I mm-hmm. think. And we never really adjusted to like the time change. And Jesse and I both got sick and it was kind of... How long were you over there? We were there for like 11 days okay. or so. Some of the shows were actually really good. Like we had better crowds in some of those. Like we do, we turned out we did better like in Tokyo than in LA even, mm-hmm. for example, which was cool. So like I'd say we did seven shows maybe and... Three or four of them were actually really good, and three or four were, like, pretty bad. But I remember you telling me about, like, there'd be, like, seven bands per show. Yeah. It costs $35. Yeah, really expensive. I think oh, it would really? be, like, 20,000 yen or something. You'd be like, what? <laughs> and then you'd, but you'd be like, oh, it must be, like, 10 bucks. But no, it was actually, like, $30. For the listener, Sam has three composition notebooks yeah. at his disposal here. We made 15,000 yen in Fukuoka, wow. which is probably, like, 50 bucks. Um, it is. <laughs> uh, I'm trying to think of, like, bad moments. <laughs> it's a lot of Taco Bell, man. That was bad because... So the guy... I think the guy who put out our record, who's a really sweet guy, and he... Booked the tour and drove us around. He's basically our one person there. He, I think he was like disappointed in us. I remember we played our first show there. It was in Kobe. And it was actually a really good show. We played like a genuine encore, which was like a pretty rare thing for us. And it was like totally packed. And it was, you know, all the clubs there are in buildings. Like that one I think was downstairs, but a lot of them you play on like the fifth floor of what seemed like an office building. Uh-huh. But that show was awesome, actually. It was really good. And we're like, cool. This is going to be great. And then we get off stage and. You know, the, our tour manager slash bookers, he's like, not, no good. He's like, very disappointed. <laughs> he thought we were like, really, like, he wanted us to like, play it straight. I don't think he liked, like, maybe we get kind of drunk and, you know, get a little wild, but. Oh, like he legitimately, like he thought your playing was not. Yeah, like we were just not up to his standards, which was really, wow. it set a really bad tone for the tour also because we were like, and it wound up being one of the like, Two best shows. Sure. I mean, a genuine, we did like a real encore. So it was like the, you know, we played, we thought we played well. I also remember the stage there was, I think their photos were still on our MySpace page. Uh, <laughs> the floor was like out of like a Michael Jackson Moonwalker video. It was like lit up in squares, not to the touch, but it was, yeah, but it was pretty cool. That's intense. Yeah. Uh, yeah. When you, I feel like when you tour, uh, outside the US, they're a lot more straightforward with you and just being just like, that wasn't great. Yeah, and then we played a show, I remember one of the other ones, like Nagata, maybe, which was kind of what we would have considered, like, the least eventful show. It was pretty boring. We got there really late, I remember, and just kind of set up and played and very, like, just get it done. He was, like, one of the best shows he'd ever seen in his life. He was, like, <laughs> you and Karate, the band Karate, the Boston band. Um, we're, like, and he was, like, almost in tears. Like, wow. he was that so interesting, um... So you there. so you end up getting to Japan. Uh, how did the how did the bands start? Like, did you play in bands like through high school? I played in bands um, in high school, not a ton, um, but yeah, a few. And then I moved to Chicago when I was nineteen for not much of a reason, like mm-hmm. to live there with my friend. And then I left, and I came back, and I was kind of those years. I was kind of looking for people to play when I was like nineteen, twenty, and then I met my friend James. Who wound up being the bassist in the band, even though he actually left town and moved back to Detroit and came back, but he was mostly the bassist for most of the time of the band. We started playing together, and then I met Jesse, and then that basically was like how we started the band. Um, that was like 2001. Mm-hmm. We all met, so like by early 2002, mid 2002, we started. Our, played our first show on Devil's Night, October 30th, 2002. Also the 
ninth anniversary of my bar mitzvah uh, <laughs> at the Mutiny in Chicago, which is a really cool place. If you're ever in Chicago and you need like a cheap drink, the Mutiny is. I remember they gave us like your free drinks there for the uh-huh. band were in pitchers. So setting up on stage for our first show, we were, we were like pretty noisy and like didn't know what we were doing. Had a pitcher of gin and tonic for myself. Wow. So yeah, that's pretty uh, impressive. That's intense. Yeah. Um, the mutiny. I don't. I don't, don't think, think we I ever played. Play. No, play. you wouldn't have yeah. played there. We played only played there one other time ever years later with End of the World actually and Lying in States and it was actually of our friends in Chicago. And it was actually a really good. Show. It's actually a cool place if you need to book. It's kind of like playing one of these random bars in Greenpoint where yeah. you would like set up a show. It's like free, like you know. Like Tony's and, Tavern. Uh, sure. Yeah, but even like even like that, where that last McDonald's show was kind of. Yeah, sure. The, Which was actually not Tommy's Tavern. Like The Place or something. Yeah. You know, just kind of this random bar. Um, we played, so, just, I just remembered, we played some art space in Chicago once with Zombie. Where the stage, I was at that show. Were you? I was. The stage was some weird pirate ship or open something? Open-end gallery. Oh, that's, that's what so it funny. was. Yeah, the open-end gallery yeah. we played on top of a pirate ship. Yeah. That so, was like some weird art installation. It was cool. I feel like the sound was really bad. I, the, the sound was terrible. But that was and like... I had eaten like an entire deep dish pizza <laughs> and felt like I was going to puke and shit all at well, the same this time. Is, and this, this is one of the things that we, we seem to come back to is this idea of playing places and they usually have a great menu you get fed well you either get you know a meal voucher or they give you and then you you eat inappropriately before you play <laughs> yeah. and then it's, and then it's can you think of any any uh time where you over you either overate or you know i remember at the empty bottle actually with the constantines and love uh, is laughter and love is laughter yes uh we we everyone ordered like there was the uh I don't think it was fettuccine or shetty or something. some Ita- some creamy something Italian heavy. dish. And Dallas, the bass player of the Constantines, was uh, was on the, the the makeshift couch in the basement. Yeah, like like holding him. I mean, it was it was bad. Yeah, yeah. But the food was great. I don't think we we were probably more the opposite, like not eating enough and then drinking and just being really drunk. Like we definitely had some uh-huh. really drunk shows where we were just. I mean, it's hard to be objective because I never saw us play, sure. fortunately. Yeah. But I think just we we played from like 2002, 2008. So it wasn't really till 2007, I think, like our last year of the band, where we were like kind of a respectable. Uh-huh. And like I think we were like noisy and out of tune and just like you know we had some good moments for sure, but um, drunk, definitely drunk, yeah, sure. especially the early years. Like we were, because I, I you know. We were, I think we were really into the replacements, and we liked that idea of just being like, uh, we're just a bunch of, we're time. just a bunch of scrappy dudes, yeah. and we're just gonna get drunk. We're just trying to get by, man. Just playing some rock and roll, yeah. getting real ripped. And um, I can remember, like Jesse, I feel like blacked out a few times, like on stage, not on stage, but like after the <laughs> show, he like wouldn't remember having played. I can remember him playing in St. Paul, Minnesota, like just fucking. Well then, so you know. what for you? What what makes a good sh- like? If, if if you're taking that into consideration, like you know, playing like Rush and hitting every note is not yeah. necessarily something that's important as much. So what like what makes a good show versus like a, a truly terrible? show? I mean, I think the best shows were probably as much as you want to not think it. Like, oh, we would just play the same show to like two people as we would to. You know, 200 people. Like, it's just not really true. I mean, you could have fun. I think you could have fun. Oh, I just remembered a good one. Rhyming Nashville. Um, <laughs> uh, 
you can have fun. We definitely had fun. Like we had, we played a lot of bad shows. Like more, a little more history about the band. Like we were kind of in this in between world where we like got some good shows. By the end, we were doing relatively well in Chicago, and like we'd do all well New York and kind of random places like Omaha. We had good shows. San Diego, I think we did pretty well. We had um, a great show with you in San Diego. Yeah, but we never really had like a real booking agent. We had a few. We had two like stints with um like young like 19 year old booking agents mm-hmm. that like didn't go out so i basically booked the band mm-hmm. so that kind of like put us in this world so we, we would play one-off shows with big bands but we never did like you know full like support tours right. where we're like meals every night kind of like you're saying you know and and good guarantees like we were always kind of like seat of our pants sort of you know making on like we made a played a lot of we played like 250 shows over about five years and we played you know, a lot of shows where we made like fifteen bucks. Sure. For sure. Yeah. Even towards the end when we were like like an example of I this was sort of like an example I would give to someone who would not actually know a lot about like the indie rock world, so to speak, being like explaining like where our place sure. in it was was that when our last record came out um <laughs> I just saw breasts. We went on our uh, more we went. Us. We did like our longest tour, which was the whole country. We did a month. It was like June of 2007, and this was kind of would sum it up. Is we put this is even better. So June second, 2007, we played at Kilby Court in Salt Lake City, which is a cool place. And that was the day we were in Rolling Stone. We were on the hot list on Rolling Stone, which is probably like the biggest press we ever got in terms of like you know mass mm-hmm. audience. And we made zero dollars in Salt Lake City and played <laughs> yeah. to like. Four people, you know, and yeah. that was kind of like, and that's not to say we didn't have good shows where there people were, but that kind of like sums it up in a way. Yeah. This it, is amazing. I'm looking, ugh, these tour books are great. I have a, a cutout of our Google map that like brought us to the club and it's somehow our incorrect Google map directions to the club led us into the center of a cemetery. <laughs> Which I think <laughs> says a lot. Like we got, we tour. got to the cemetery and we're like, this is not the right place. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I feel like that's, uh, you know, people who haven't played get really, you know, psyched, like, oh, like, I wish I could play out, like, that sounds so awesome, but, yeah, like, from my memory, it's like, tour is kind of just a recurring cycle of getting broken. Yeah, like, I mean, it's really, can't... it's just those moments of just, like, we're gonna make it, we've got nothing, we're yeah. in the hole, like, oh, there's three people at this show, like, and yeah, you kind of, lo- you do the, the, we talked about and we're going to talk about it. it's going to keep coming up of just like uh you know well you're you're going to you know give your all to every single show no matter what yeah. uh and you know you try nope. to do that but it's yeah. like you're lying to yourself I, when you I do was it. always optimistic in terms of like I would look at it like all right well you know we're in Montana tonight it's practice for tomorrow yeah. and yeah and, I mean I would say the it was just fun it was, I mean there were some real really low moments for sure yeah. you know like just terrible nights of sleep Wichita, remind me to tell that story. <laughs> but like, I'm looking at this, it's like, this show is pretty lame, but then I'm reading, we made s'mores in a campfire outside the club, then Chaz, a kid there who had a Red Hot Chili Peppers tattoo, took us home, <laughs> and we had, to, we had to help him break into his own house, and his roommate was getting a blowjob, and then we went back downtown and snuck into a hotel pool slash hot tub with <laughs> Rihanna and... Er, Rana and KG. So it's like, that sounds pretty fun. Yeah, sure. I definitely don't have that in my life yeah, anymore, you know? Sure. And it's like, I don't know if I could go do that again like that. Like, this new band, I mean, we, we kind of, I think we would only are going to go on tour if it was like, 
a real tour. a real tour, yeah. you know. And yeah. but that doesn't mean that this wasn't fun and that no, I yeah, those it, those are know? the stories I think for that that make it amazing and memorable and yeah. unique and yeah. Uh, I mean, I feel like that's part of even why we started this whole thing. It's just like you know when you start thinking, you never. I don't know. I don't remember the the good shows. Like I don't remember the ones. Yeah. that's like I mean, I do enough where I'm just like. Yeah, I played with the Melvins. It was awesome. Yeah. I don't know. There's I not know. really a story behind that. Sure. But then I, the rest of it is just like, yeah, we played and we had the fucking well, squat in this house in Houston. They woke us up because they're like, why are you in this building that we're building? Yeah. And, the, and we're just like, I don't know, dude said we could sleep here. Yeah, it's never uh, it's never as interesting as be like, yeah, we played with the Melvins. We kicked ass. We yeah. sold a lot of stuff. Everybody loved us. Yeah. As opposed to, you know, we were uh, not playing with the Melvins in Boise <laughs> for six people, including two 10-year-old boys. Exactly. Can I read? I'm right, wait, so you have you have read this, then you have Nashville and, and Wichita. Wichita. <laughs> right. Okay. This first, there's Sacramento, June six oh seven. I'd like to point out first of all, there's a photo here of Dan Featherston in our band photo for some reason that was in the paper. Dan Featherston, the drummer of Oxford Collapse. Exactly. Band. Right. <laughs> okay. So I'll who just, did play drums? Who did play on drums on half of the last on the last narrator record? Photo. <laughs> um. So I'm just gonna read some of this straight. Uh, this is June 6, 2007, at the Press Club in Sacramento. Never coming back. Let's start from the end. <laughs> the promoter begrudgingly paid us after telling us we were an embarrassment and that we should be ashamed of ourselves. <laughs> we played a 20-minute, 20 20-plus-minute 20 version of Tired Horses with guest appearances. So we had, on our last record, we covered this Bob Dylan song, All the Tired Horses, which is kind of... For those who don't know, it's like the least Bob Dylan, Bob Dylan song, which is <laughs> this one line over and over, and it's just the same four chords. So it's kind of this like But it's also chanting. on the on self-portrait, the album it's on. It's sung by like a, a woman, know, a choir. Women, yeah. of like, you know, but women. it's an amazing song, yes. and uh, you can just kind of play it however long you want. And uh, and we usually close, we close a lot of our shows, I think, on those, like those last few tours with it. Uh, it pissed off a lot of people, big time. Every time the song would be settling down to finish, I would start it back up again. I did this for three reasons. <laughs> One, it was fun for us and annoying for the weird, lame crowd. If I can interject myself, I just remember it was like kind of a decent show. It's like a two-band bill, which is always kind of nice. And like the locals were, I feel like, enthusiastic about stuff, and they brought people. And it was just this weird thing, I think, where we started playing, and then they all just kind of like turned around and like weren't paying attention to us at all, which, you know, it's like we were... It's also a weird thing about quote-unquote indie rock is this idea where you're like especially now how indie rock is basically not a thing anymore and it's just like right. merged into rock rock that um like we weren't entertainers you know like yeah. we were we were we didn't we weren't a punk band but like we were we had a doing our thing we were there like we want you know like you're not our, there to play shows just for kind of anyone yeah and, and just like oh we just want to see like music tonight yeah like we're, you were there to play to people who enjoy like care about music yeah. and like, we weren't you know. like divas about it sure. at all i mean we played a lot of we played to two people and would still play you know but i think just something came over us that night um <laughs> we were also end of the world who we were on tour with for some reason that was the one show like they couldn't get on the bill i don't know why but they weren't there yet so i think i kept trying to keep the Stop. song going so they would walk in and then they uh -huh. showed up like three hours later so i don't know where they were <laughs> uh, which i will point out is like the best drive as anyone who has in a touring band know like portland down to san francisco or sacramento is just like the nicest yes. drive yeah probably yeah. in the country might be the nice yes i agree which two years before when we did it the cover of our last record 
is from that drive, actually. Um, and my amp sounded awesome in that club for some reason. <laughs> <laughs> so those were the three reasons. So we just played the song, basically, which has four chords, for like 25 minutes. Uh, wow. So yeah, we and should be ashamed of ourselves. And, yeah, and then they and begrudgingly paid you and yeah. scolded you. I don't think I've been back to Sacramento since. Never played Sacramento. Uh, don't think I've ever. Uh, maybe we have. I can't remember. Joan Didion country, Schwarzenegger, <laughs> uh, Wichita. Yeah, okay, Wichita. Wichita. It's it's great because of this situation we have the tour books. Like I I kind of wish we could put these I, out. Like it's just the the insanity of the information of this yeah. is fantastic yeah. to me. Well, it's good. Yeah, I'm imp- I mean, I have a pretty good memory, I think, but it's, you know, without this. Yeah. Yeah. I'm very impressed. Uh, so Kirby's Beer Store in Wichita? Let me interject. <laughs> Kirby's Beer Store. Now, my band, Wichita kind of holds a, a little place in Oxford Collapse's heart. The Embarrassment from Wichita? The band The Embarrassment of the early 80s kind of post-punk band who just never had a chance because mm-hmm. they were wrong place, wrong time. Um and so we were psyched. We got the guy who did their artwork to do the artwork for our second record. We stayed with him in Wichita. Super nice guy. Kirby's Beer Store is a place they do shows like, I think it's every night or something. But it's one band bills. It's one, yeah, it's like one band. It's a tight, the room is smaller than the studio we're in right now. I'd say the whole room is smaller than a lot of stages. It's, that it's absurdly will play. small. And we went there with, with the, the artist we were staying, the artist in residence. Um, and another like local guy who had been around in the embarrassments day, begging to be up to like play at Kirby's beer store, uh, and the proprietor, the the crusty old proprietor, um, wouldn't have any of it. But was it Paul, the great gimpy bartender? <laughs> I have listed him. I'd also like to point out this take the handle, this mag online magazine yes. that I used to edit and write for, um, who Mike was a contributor yes. for, uh. One issue of it, we excerpted my tour diaries, and this one, the Wichita one, was banned from the magazine. The other editors wouldn't allow it to be in it because they found it, they thought it was offensive. All right, Perfect. so let's Lay hear the story of Kirby's, Kirby's Beer Store. Well, right, so we played the show, and it's like, you know, five people there. It was actually really fun. In my, in my tour book here, I have the bartender wrote out a, a recipe for pina coladas because we drank pina coladas for some reason. <laughs> And also, I think, I remember we gave him our 7-inch for the jukebox, so I really would like to go there again, because it might be the only jukebox in on Earth that our 7-inch sure. is in. So I'm really curious, actually, to go back there. So, um, let's see. I'm just trying to remember if there's anything. Oh, yeah. The last song, Ray Sugar Bear Burns, this uh, big cherubic black man who plays bass in country bands, Great guy. Just picked up James, our bassist bass, and just started jamming along with us. <laughs> like, you know, this way. Um, I don't know how you want to do that. Session bass style. He's session bass style, uh, bass up to your neck. Yes. <laughs> uh, so I think we actually did have a really good time, and there were just a few drunk guys there. Jason, with a Y. But also, um, because the place is so small, I mean, you, you realistically probably couldn't fit more than 30 people in there. Like, that would packing. be packing. Yeah. So uh, to have five people in there is honestly, yeah. like, you, you could play a lot worse. I think it's sure. also probably hard for people who, like, think, you know, who follow bands mm-hmm. now. I mean, this is only five years ago, and I'm sure, you know, this world exists, but, like, it's kind of this weird, um, like, underbelly of the country, I think, that you wouldn't expect, like, a touring band yeah. to, like, who gets reviewed, like, on Pitchfork and stuff to, like, play a place like this. Like, you right. don't... And Wichita's... 
it's a kind of not it's kind of a big place but it seems very small and like nothing there's no scene there yeah, as sure. far as i could tell and um so we met these drunk guys and uh he took us back to his house and i'll pick up here on my in my tour book big mistake yes maybe this is like offensive uh so i'm just you know what i'm not gonna censor myself but well, actually, maybe I will. But basically, okay. <laughs> Jason and his marine buddy and crippled girlfriend and her four-year-old son. And this is this next line means a lot. Worst night of sleep ever. <laughs> this dirty, gross apartment. Cigarette butts on the floor. This is kind of a gross line and not very classy. I think we got AIDS or at least scabies from sleeping on the floor. They wouldn't turn the lights off or the music. The girl with the broken foot, who was a total bitch broke down and started crying and then they gave each other tattoos with knives while we were trying to sleep so at some i think at That's like bad. six there also was a pool i have here a note, a note that james our bassist went skinny dipping and was rolling around like a dog in the grass it was kind of this All weird terrible. like All look like a motel looking <laughs> apartment complex yeah. Yeah, yeah um and then and dan king our friend was with us so there's five of us i think i luckily got like the lazy boy but maybe three or four of us were on the floor at like 6 30 you know and the sun's coming up i think one of us was like are you guys awake and all five of us were like yes you know like should we get out of here like yeah and we just got in the van and just and left and that was actually that first week that was this was our last real u.s tour we did like three and a half weeks in the eastern half of the country and it was some ways one of our best tours because we were like musically I think we had like hit our stride in a way, but the first week of that tour was ridiculous. I think I know we played a few days later in Tallahassee, and we wound up being like a lot of nights sleeping in the van, just be, you yeah. know, be, um, always a good sleep. But see, that's the thing is because I can definitely relate to you, relate to you what you're saying, Sam, and that like in a lot of like your it's your last tour, so you're. Like technically, like the most proficient you've ever yeah, been. Yeah. But when things like you're still playing to the same number of people that like you did on your first tour exactly. five years ago, yeah. and this is this is like a kind of thing. At least this contributed to my band kind of like, all right, well maybe you know uh, we put out two records on Sub Pop, but some, we're still playing to like the yeah. same amount of people that before we were on Sub Pop we were playing. So that definitely contributed to like. This isn't as much fun anymore. The novelty kind yeah. of wears off. Which is the, like you said, it's the bummer part because you are at the point where it's like playing is probably the most fun. Like, yeah, but also you, you only spend, great. but also the 24 hours in a day, you're spending like 35 minutes yes. playing, yeah. which I think is yes. a big thing that people always talk about on tour. People say like, we love to play live, but like we hate to tour, right. you know, and sometimes it also goes back and forth because sometimes the shows suck and the night is fun. You know? Yes. But this is a dark moment here in Tallahassee. Um, <laughs> Going back to Florida. We stayed at a house that was playing the loudest music ever and people were apparently smoking crack. I had a stoned epiphany on pot, not crack, <laughs> uh, on the couch while the crack music was whack. deafening and a dog and a dog that smelled like wet dog wouldn't stop hounding me and hanging out with people I very much didn't want to hang out with and I realized that maybe this isn't what I want to be doing with my days. <laughs> I finally, duh, it says, <laughs> I finally fell asleep in the passenger seat in the van at 5 a.m. where Daniel and Jesse were already passed out. Ugh, this has been a somewhat rough week as far as shows and sleeping accommodations go. So there's a drawing of a penis that That's my friend amazing. did. So that, I mean, that leads into kind of like, you know, that sounds like one of the breaking points. Like, can you... Yeah. Can you think of, like, kind of, was there was there a certain show or was it just more of, you know, was there a straw that broke the camel's back or was it just Death by a Thousand Paper Cuts where eventually that tour was over and you're like, you know what? 
I think it was probably the next tour was Japan, which yeah. wound up being our last tour that, um, I remember kind of thinking like, I don't want to do this anymore. Yeah. Cause it was also, the record came out in May and we, and you know, again, we were doing this mostly by ourselves, you know, like right. we had a publicist and a label and stuff, but I was booking the tours. Actually, that first tour, this girl was booking and totally just did. This was like the, theoretically the biggest tour we ever should have done. It was like our big, our quote unquote biggest record was coming out. We were doing our most ambitious tour, which was like 31 days or something. And she just totally flicked. She like retired at 19 years old. She retired from booking in the middle of the Love tour. That. But I, she didn't tell me, of course. Sure. Like, I had to learn about it from other people. Oh, it was in the middle so of we tour, too? No, it was before, oh, oh, it was yeah, while we were booking. Okay. And we wound up actually calling that tour Casual Fridays because Fridays, as you might imagine, Fridays and Saturdays are big nights for touring bands. Yeah. And I think we had, like, three Fridays off on that tour yeah. or something, which is, like, Always a, a really sign. big, really yeah. bad. Our, yeah. our, our, the first tour, that first U.S. tour that we did in 2004 that we booked ourselves, I think we had at least, and maybe it was a month long, I think we had at least six days off. Like, yeah, like yeah. probably are, three of those days off are nice if you're really busy, but right, having a bunch of days off is, is not a good no. thing. Also, this tour is really interesting because in this last tour, again, where we were like doing the best we were doing, we played, you know, regular rock clubs. We played a house show in Baton Rouge. We played at the Claremont Lounge, which is a strip club in Atlanta, which is, was a big deal because we were in Oh, you lounge. played in Claremont Lounge yeah, because is, we played across the street at Claremont, no, but everyone played, went over to see Goldie. No, it was like us, the Black Lips, and Goldie played at the Claremont Lounge? Goldie, no, Goldie, oh, Goldie the was the stripper, oh. the one who had the two giant breasts that would punch you. Yeah, we were that one of the, her thing. We were supposed she to be like, one of the only bands ever allowed to play there. I should actually read that one. But also on the <laughs> same tour, we played an Italian restaurant in Norfolk. We played like a really cool show just like at a DF and a VFW a space. Hold on, wait, this tour it gets better. <laughs> we played you know, an outdoor college festival in western Kentucky. We played in <laughs> Urban Outfitters in New Haven. Nice. We played this uh, at Bennington College where we went to this insane, like, porn party. <laughs> There's the porn. Uh, went to Cheers, the bar in Boston. That might be it. But that was just like... We did not play in the Cheers bar. No, we did not. That um, sort of feels like... Yeah, it's, it's, that one feels like nothing but weird things. Which is nothing interesting. But weird places, so that's which are some fun these... some, and to an extent, but totally. uh, can really beat you up. Like, you know, because... Really, especially when you're m- making... Like, the strip club was cool. We made zero. Another yes. classic weird venue show, a, a, a narrator Oxford collapse show. Fresno. Fresno, California. <laughs> we played in a Japanese restaurant. Yeah, let me find A that. working Japanese restaurant. Really? Um, and there was a state, and the, the amazing... I think Orchid, by the way, played a Japanese restaurant, but maybe a Baltimore. That is... Uh, <laughs> a working bar yeah, Japanese no, restaurant. No, this was... There was a small stage, um, and the reason why the show was... And I remember I was there was lights... There was a light switch in the back, like on yeah, the wall. You gave us a light show. Yes, I remember you like, gave us a light show. But the best part about this show was that it was a three-band bill, and we were the two. The band that opened was a touring. Do you want their name? Do you want to read? No, no. I remember the name. Do you want to tell the story? I wouldn't remember their name. Okay, so but no, I, you can tell. It was a band. There were three brothers. Hanson. No, 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 no. I, I you can only, I only wish. There were three brothers. They were called. Monstrous, mm-hmm. <laughs> and they they toured in like a um, like a 
an ice cream van, like that kind of like a wise potato chip. Where van. they were from Rhode Island. That's they were from, and they had a sound guy who was wearing chef's pants. But they were short. They were like the black and white checkered. Yeah. Pant, but they were short. Wait, and I'll they see. had their own sound guy for a show in front of 15 people in a Japanese oh, restaurant. 15 is being really, I think, right. generous. Hey, well, <laughs> with, with, between, well, with the two bands, there were at least okay. nine people there. But also, I, I kind of I think they remember – they sound exactly like Nirvana. They were very Nirvana. But I, I think they, they described their sound as um, Black Sabbath meets the Beatles, which is what like people said Nirvana yeah. kind of sounded. <laughs> sure. And very accurate, too, I'd say. Um, so – yeah, so Fresno was... And then also, if you remember, the night that we spent in Fresno... Was it Fresno? Yeah, we stayed in this weird, like, abandoned military complex. That was like these squatters were basically living <laughs> It was like out there. of Day of the Dead. That's it was like, but and, and everyone slept on a couch. Like, there was like a... But there men's... were dead birds, it says. I wrote. There were, I think I remember there being live birds flying around. And Dan Featherston started a dance party to Ice Cube's death certificate. Yes, we did play that too for, <laughs> for the, the, like, eight... Guys who were just hanging around, <laughs> and we all slept on. I think you know we had. Did you? you would you? Were you to bring a sleeping bag on tour? Uh, yes, uh, always brought a sleeping bag uh, and a pillow. I somehow um, didn't bring a sleeping bag until like four years into tour. I don't know how. Uh, was... Yeah, Justin Cherno from Panthers. I think he did the same thing. Where it's like we were on like fifth or sixth tour, and he's like, "I think I'm gonna stop in." It was a great idea. Yeah, get a sleeping bag. No, because and, and at the time, Justin was already like thirty six. I know what like, you're about. Was just like, <laughs> excuse me. Are you about to say what I'm about to say though? That sometimes not having a sleeping bag was good because then you would often get like the best sleep because you couldn't sleep on the floor if you didn't have a sleeping bag. Sometimes you would get the couch yes, or right. the bed. But the sleeping bag came in handy in Fresno in this like weird abandoned military complex because they were the to this day the largest roaches I've ever seen because it was just like a concrete uh, yeah. floor with uh, you know these random couches around and it was it was there was like a men's room with urinals. And it was just like, I don't know who, I mean, as opposed to a men's room without urinals, but it was <laughs> You like, might have a different uh, answer than I do, but are, are we all surprised we did not get bed bugs once from tour? Because yeah. I did not. Uh, Actually, my sleeping bag maybe got it, but that was just in Greenpoint. Yeah, well, that's the thing. I, the, when I finally got bed bugs, it was being in Greenpoint, but years of sleeping in squats... Yeah. Uh, and sleeping in, in, you know, sleeping on a folding table in the middle of like Hoogavin, Holland, uh, in a room that they locked us in. I think it's uh, all just New York. I think. Yeah. I, are, I, I just, I, I'm there. amazed that, yeah, no infestation. I, I, I don't think that the thought of bed bugs ever crossed my mind, but I do remember, um, staying in a place in, in North Dakota. That, that was my memory. That was my go. <laughs> Ding! It's come to me. The Ayatollah Rock and Roller didn't turn his phone off. This one is for Stevie Wonder. <laughs> I just called to turn my phone off. Um, yeah, the it. beef. The uh, beef. I remember staying in a place in North Dakota. Um, it was like a party house mm, after playing the, the Aquarium in Fargo, which was always a fun show. I can't, the guy who, I think his name is Chris, who put on shows there, great guy, always took care of us. This house was, everybody's got a story about, and maybe I should say this for the opening. Yeah. Oh, well, know. it's up to you, man. Yeah. I mean, this was, this was, uh, can't you say, cut it up? Well, we're trying not to edit. This is this is <laughs> not, all not this edited, is all raw, this live is raw and uncut. Cool. So rewind back to the beginning of the show to hear my story <laughs> yeah. about this place in Fargo. <laughs> anyway, you still also, Sam, have a story about Nashville. Good call. That's what I'm open to here. I was reminded of this last night because I work actually a few nights at this club in Gowanus, um, and I ran into a guy from this band that we played with via audio, 
This is August 18th, 2005 at the Muse in Nashville, which of 250-odd shows we played was the only show where we officially played to zero people. Uh. And this is not... I'm not saying, like, oh, zero paid, but there are a few people on the guest list, or, like, the employees were there. Like, there were zero people paid. There were zero people on the guest list. The first... I think first band canceled... Then the second man was the local, even though I think I see here they're from Murfreesboro, which is like 45 minutes away. Big local draw. So they said... BLC, big local draw is the best opening band you can have. But this is also a very classic thing, is that they claimed they drew 75 to 100 people at some other club across town, but they got (laughs) zero. They're also, cool name, (laughs) Finding Steve Cunningham. They're called. Wonderful. (laughs) So they played. They played. FCS played. But then they left. Then they took off. Of course. So it's via audio, and us were left. I can't remember if they played third or if we played third. But we just set up... Wait, so there were three bands on the bill and zero people came to the show. Yeah. But then also, well, there were four bands. First band canceled. Or one of the bands canceled. Then the quote-unquote local played, took off. So in the building, I think there was like a front room maybe where there was mm-hmm. like a bar. So there may be employees there. Like, But in the live room, there are the four of us, the narrator, four of the audio, and the sound guy. Wow. But I remember being like topless, I feel like. <laughs> um... <laughs> Is there a note about that? There's nobody there. I mean, just yeah. So basically, we went, no, but, so off. the one thing that wound up being cool is that we we set up and then this is also a classic one of our four song sets. So we played yes. like 13 minutes long. Yeah. But it turns out we had a 15 minute jam and the guys in Via Audio set up their equipment on the floor and started playing with us while we were playing. So it was basically like you know uh, practice. Did you end up getting paid at that one? Yes, I believe here the show costs seven dollars, okay. and seven times zero is zero divided by four bands is zero. So we got zero. All right, that worked out. I just was. I, 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 I mean, really, what I'm questioning because I certainly, you know, played the show where it was like, well, there are only three people here, but they paid, so we have to play. Uh, yeah, I guess this is a show where we could have not. But we theoretically like, could have not. It, what else are we going to do? We're in. You know. Which reminds me of another show that I was looking <laughs> at. It was um, While you're finding that one, speaking of playing to no one, I think the one time that that actually, we, we didn't even play. We were on tour with this band Part Chimp. Uh, we played a couple of shows we with you yeah. and Part Chimp yeah. from the UK. Very heavy va- uh, band. Uh, what's that? Good blokes. Good, yeah, good Solid blokes. blokes. Um, it was in <sighs> Farmington, Missouri. This was in route to South by Southwest. Farmington, Missouri is not a destination. Right. <laughs> no offense to the, the good people of Farmington, but it's not a place that any band would ever play. It's not first market. It's, it's not second I, I market. Mean, this is, it doesn't have a market. This is off market. <laughs> it's off market. Um, and, the pl- and, of course, the place was massive. Right. I mean, this we're talking... Um, you Couldn't know, have a bigger venue. This, it, it, this is like casino. Like I mean, it is offensively large. <laughs> we show up with Part Chimp. Um, I mean, it's massive. It's right. like an auditorium. And there was a local band, and I remember they were like, we never got the, the scoop on them. They sound checked. They were like, this was, this would have been 2006, and they were all clearly of Mexican origin, but they were like very much like 2006 Screamo style. Sure. Like, um, and, they loaded their stuff in and like they, they kind of, they had a unique look. So we're like, what's this band going to sound like? I don't think we even stuck around to hear them sound check. We went out to eat with Park Chimp. Nice restaurant. It's going to be a great show tonight. We're having a good time. Uh, <laughs> we come back to the venue and, and the guy who, the promoter's just like the classic. 
I don't know what happened, guys. Uh, the local band of these kids uh, left. He just yeah. sent them home. Yeah. We don't. I don't know what they were called. They I don't played. Know. Or they the local play. draw is going home. Wait, they, they played or they did not. No, play. no, no. They went home. Then and, like the show was just. He's like, no one's coming to the show. Part chimp. Uh, they stayed. I think they had sound checked on the floor. It's the only time that I can remember where it was just like, you know. The promoter being like, you guys can play if you want, right. but like, I think maybe we see through us a couple of bucks. We probably had that a few times. That was just. I don't know what happened is a key phrase. The, the, like, I that's don't, the repetitive. I phrase. don't know what happened, guys. Like, they have never seen this before. Usually. It's like a, it's like a spaceship <laughs> came down. Usually. That they've never seen. It's just like, my eyes were open. Did this, I did think this could Usually a Monday night in Farmington, Missouri, in I this don't, enormous don't hall. Is maybe everyone in town was on their way to South by Southwest. Maybe. Yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, so, uh, speaking of playing to no one and getting paid nothing, uh, so you know you went on all these tours. Yeah, uh, a fair amount of playing, two fifty shows. You said in yeah, two fifty two was our total. Okay, so two fifty two. Uh, what did you do to what did you do to survive throughout the like you you know for work wise like, oh. to to. To push yourself to keep doing this. Um, I temped yeah. a lot uh, for many, many years. I was like a career temp. Right. Um, I live and still do live really cheaply. Yep. And Chicago is really cheap. Like I paid double my rent here than I ever. Like the highest rent I ever paid in Chicago was like four hundred dollars. Chicago is a good. And not town even to yeah, Chicago is a good. Is totally a good. City. I've heard it's a hell of a town. To be. To be in a <laughs> oh, band. Coming at you, the I told rock and roller. <laughs> I'm gonna do it um, my way. Here's Frank Sinatra. <laughs> uh, but wasn't there a time where we were staying with you, and you were supposed to go to your temp job, and you didn't, or you showed up late, and you actually got fired? Is that right? Um, I believe there was some court, and, and sadly, you wouldn't have been the first person that we have gotten fired sure. because they didn't. Dis- they decided just not to go to their job, right? Or, or showed up like in a you know just offensively late, and they were just let go. I feel like that might have happened. It sounds familiar. I mean, I was never really fired from jobs like that, but I kind of remember being really late. Like, you guys dropped me off. I think I was, yes. when I was working this jewelry store downtown, <laughs> like on the Gold Coast. That was a weird place. Um, I have open here. This this would be Give good for WGE, because yeah. my opening line is one of the worst shows in their history. <laughs> uh, also, remind me, Kalamazoo. I want to do Okay. Uh, so this was on the Casual Fridays tour, and this was on a Friday. So this was what our Friday shows were like <laughs> in Fort Worth at The Door with Johnny Ringo and Warforged <laughs> and Taken Cadence. That was a big gold uh, there. We played in the Cowtown Lounge, a.k.a. the lobby, of a nasty Christian metal club. <laughs> We all knew it was going to be terrible, but for some reason, when James and Jesse saw the hundreds and hundreds of lame youths there for the main show, they thought we could win them over. Do you remember who the main show was? Didn't happen. Uh, well, <laughs> I, yeah, actually, I do. Well, I, I don't remember, but I have it here in the like ad or like the listing. They were called Sky Eats Airplane, who I've seen their name. They might have even become like a major label band. I remember all the kids were calling them Sky Eats. So it was kind of this huge, it was almost like this, it was like this decrepit kind of like mall almost. It was like this huge room was the main room. What's the town? Fort Worth. Okay. okay. And then we were in the small room, which is literally the lobby because everyone had to walk through. And so there actually were hundreds and hundreds of kids just like wandering around. But, um, 
What I love about this too is I'm thinking is like all of the weird places I've played. Like you have, it's just blowing my mind that the amount of extra weird places there are. Oh yeah, venues, alternative, alternative, because like you know, like I I could give hundreds more. Right, and also what's interesting, a great thing about this book is that I have the ads from like the local weeklies and Uh all, and you can see. Bands who are really successful now too, like playing the same small clubs we were. So like, just the the world of this is enormous. That's what and, I would always do. There will never not be enough stories yeah. of when there were places where I was like, "What are we doing? Why are we going here?" I would try to find and just like make sure validate like, it. Just like, you know. okay, Enon's coming through. Like, <laughs> Enon, uh, Enon, Enon was always coming. Enon through. was always <laughs> coming through. Um, but yeah, it was always like, all right, fine. It'll be okay oh enough. Oh my God, I just thought of another one. Bloomington, Indiana. I, have I, that, that I remember you telling me about <laughs> yeah. that. All right, so so wait, just yeah. wrap so up this Fort, Fort Worth. Fort Worth. Um, so what, just backtrack one step. Uh, we were more, or at least we were, but I was I was pretty adamant about like trying to watch bands we would play with always. Sure. And, like We tried to come from the more like Ian MacKay school rather than the like John Lydon school, like I always know that story he told about when Minor Threat opened for Public Image, he was like so excited, and then when they like got off the stage, he saw John Lydon like get out of the limo or something. Yeah, he was like yeah. really, you know, and then he and he made a point of always watching other bands. So I was that was you know important, and like I've been in other bands where people are like, oh, like let's go for, and I'm like no, like we should, you know, yes. So Fort Worth, I think it's the first time in history that we left the premises before the show was over. <laughs> They did a door poll, so we knew we weren't getting paid. We were there for less than 90 minutes. We should have taken the day off. And there's also a good note at the bottom is Kevin, our drummer, and I accidentally walked into a brothel while looking to get a drink at a strip club. We thought it was a strip club, but it was actually a brothel. So that was interesting. So what did I say? Uh, Cal- you were Kalamazoo, Kalamazoo and Indianapolis. Kalamazoo is an interesting one because it's it was like a you know a good show. What was the place um, in Kalamazoo? Was it? It was Craft Brow. Oh, uh, yeah, we played called. there. So this was a one-off. I feel one like we off. played there, too. Yeah, it was a cool, like, it was a wooden room. It was uh, not incredibly big. Um, no, it's small, but so a little history for the band is we had a drummer from, like, o- early 03 to mid-06 who we often had problems with musically and personally, and we fired him from the band while we were, like, writing our our second and last record, and... We played a show in August, and then we we kicked him out of the band, and we're like, okay, we're just gonna finish writing this record without a drummer, and our friends are gonna play on the record, and not, and we wound up not playing a show for like six months, which was the longest gap we ever did, except for two shows, and one of them was like a week, so a week later after we, or like less than a week later after we kicked out our drummer, and we're like, no shows, we get offered to play on my 26th birthday with Wolf Parade. Who were on Sub Hop? We were playing on their first record, and I love them. Like we were really into them, mm-hmm. and they had just like kind of blown up, and we're like doing really well. And we got this show in in Kalamazoo on my birthday, and I was like, "Well, Jesus! Like we can't not play sure. this show." Um, so my friend Jeremy, who is the keyboardist in a band called Lion States, who is my former roommate, was like, "I'll play drums," and he, didn't, he wasn't even a drummer; he was a keyboardist. <laughs> so we're like, um, "He's gonna do this one show." And then also the day that we kicked our drummer out of the band, we just, it was a really emotional day and we had to get, the three of us had to get really drunk to like have this talk with him. And after that, uh, I remember James and I were like wrestling in the practice space for some reason and he like stepped on my finger and it, maybe it wasn't broken, but I couldn't really use my 
left ring, my fretting hand ring finger, which uh-huh. as you, all you guitarists know, it's a pretty crucial yes. finger. Ty- yes. Tony Iommi from Black Sabbath didn't need it, but the rest other, of us. Other than every billion other guitarists. Did. I need yeah. it. So, so we're coming in shorthanded here. So I don't have a ring. I have a splint uh-huh. on my finger and we have a keyboardist playing drums and like we're also playing all these new songs. So we're like not coming in at full strength, you know? But we're also really excited because it's my birthday and we're playing with Wolf Parade and it's like super sold out. Like this is going to be fun. We have a bunch of friends. Like we went, I think like 10 deep in the van. Like a bunch of our friends came. A bunch of our friends came from Ohio like to meet us there. And we get there. And it was like, I think Wolf Parade had been touring for like a year on this record and we're doing really well. And this was basically their last show on touring. I think they had one more show in Montreal where they're from, like this festival. So we get there and we're like, you know, hey guys, like this is great. And they... A, are just so ready to be done, and their keyboard, or their, like, um, auxiliary guitarist, who's this guy who's in Hot Hot Heat, had some weird, like, tooth infection, and wound up going to the emergency room, and didn't play the show, and they were about to cancel the show. So we come in being like, I have a broken finger, and we don't have a drummer, but, like, this is gonna be great. And they're just like, we're maybe gonna cancel the show. (laughs) And, um, so we, we, the, the show goes on, and we get on stage, and it's like, you know, we played a lot of shitty shows. So when you play a good show, it's like fun. And we're also playing with like, you know, this great band and packed, like totally, totally packed, sweaty. Like, you know, you couldn't even move in the crowd. And we get on stage and the power went out in like the middle of like the third song. So it was a combination. The power went out. I kept getting shocked from the mic because of my splint. I would touch the mic and it was metal. And I think we were just generally bad because we were playing these new songs and we, you know, our drummer who wasn't a drummer had like practiced with us two times. So it was just like kind of a disappointment. Not the ideal circumstances. Yeah. So, man. Yeah. Um, So uh, we should wrap up soon. But uh, so you've given us, you've got books and books full of. (laughs) Literally one story after that. Which is beautiful. Uh, Why do you still do this? Why do you have a new band? Like, what is it that... I don't know, it's funny. I mean, I basically wasn't in a what I would consider like a real band but for like 2009, 10, and 11, which is a long... So I kind of didn't even expect to be in a band again. This new band just kind of happens. You're ready to be done with it. Yeah, I mean, it's fun. I mean, you know, playing music is really fun. It's like... Like, I started playing basketball recently with my uh-huh. friends. We have, like, a regular basketball night, and it's almost like that, where it's, like, some kind of, like, psychic exercise or something, you know? It's just, like, healthy to be sure. playing music. And again, like, who knows if we'll tour, what our touring plans are. I mean, is but... it more on your own terms now? Whereas, like, you know, with the narrator, there was definitely um, a, a point where you're like, okay, we're... We're going to try it. We're like, we're doing this right. to see how far we can get with it, you know. Yeah. Um, is the is the, like the mindset different with the future uh, of what? Sure. I mean, yeah, it's a totally different thing. It also feels like a different world. I mean, I think a thing we used to talk about probably like our bands, I feel like we were always kind of like in the wrong era in a way. Like, it's easy to say that, but like we felt like we were more, like, belonged in the 80s, you know, of those, like, mm-hmm. replacements. And who's going to do in the Minuteman? It was this idea of, like, you put out a 7-inch and you go on tour, and it's not, there's not, like, I'm sure there were a ton of bands there then, but it wasn't just, like, you know, like, we were kind of, like, the MySpace generation, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. And, like, it was just a shittier time, I think. And 
you know, I wouldn't trade it so sure. much, but it was, it was rough. That's the best thing about being in a band in 2012. No MySpace. Right. And it's a big deal. <laughs> yes. like, yeah, it is. MySpace. Yeah. But now like- instead though, you have a website, a Facebook, uh, Bandcamp and SoundCloud, yeah. which are the exact same thing. Twitter. Yeah. I don't do any of this shit, yeah. but it's really annoying to like have to hear about it. Sure. It's, uh, and final question. Oh yeah, uh, final question. The show is called Worst Gig Ever. What do you think? think? Of the word gig. Gig. <laughs> that that's a, that was like the worst yeah. back and forth. <laughs> I know. That no, like. I Let's say that. What do you think? What do you think <laughs> of the word gig? Um, I mean, I love it in a ridiculous way. Like, I feel like when I use the word gig, it's in a making fun of it way. Right. Like, if I'm like. Oh, we have a gig tonight. You know, it's a it's a joke, or like the idea of like a gig bag. You know, is a really funny thing to <laughs> like call a gig bag, like a man. soft a case bag. for a guitar. Got to pick up my gig bag, going over to my gig well, bag, bro. The, the my connection to the word gig is just like I remember getting together at, on my dad's side of the family for like Easter or something, and one of my cousins married this guy Mike, who was like a wedding band guy. He played saxophone. Mm-hmm. He still he still does. Um, and he would always, he would never be there because he'd always be doing like, he'd have some kind of party or something. And my, my like 80 year old grandmother at the time, you know, was like, oh, where's, uh, where's Mike? He's got a gig. <laughs> so <laughs> he's got a gig. That kind of sums up gigs. Um, Sam, this is, this has been a pleasure. Thank you very I would, much. I hate to say I hope to hear more of these stories in the future for your next one. Well, project. I think I almost yeah. have part two just from the narrator. Like, I hope I don't have it for future bands. You're going to have to save, because there are other I mean, I know yeah, that there are other Remington. We'll have have me back for season two. Yes, <laughs> definitely. Uh, yeah, your pile of seven style notebooks full love of it. tour stories is amazing. I love it so much. But yeah, thank you, man. Appreciate it. Thank you, and thank uh, you. get home safe. <laughs> oh, <well>. Genius. <laughs>